welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is particularly powerful, but it also might be quite triggering for anyone around domestic abuse. So please always check the trigger warnings in the description of every episode. They're always there. And if you are experiencing any sort of abuse, please contact Women's Aid. You can go to womensaid.org.uk or the National Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0808 2000 247 and that's run by Refuge. There's a men's advice line for male domestic abuse survivors that's run by Respect. That's 0808 801 0327. It's really important that you speak to someone about what you're going through and I'm sending you so much love. I am joined by Annie Kashimura Sawadi, uh, who is a gender and equality specialist. Hello. Hi, Sam. So first of all, I always start off by saying to people, you are divorced. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel great being divorced. Um, a great sense of relief and achievement because it was quite a struggle getting through the divorce. I like that. Makes you feel great. That's a nice start to things. So um, why do you think it was a struggle for you getting through the divorce? Uh, because the divorce took very long. It took like two years uh, since the day I filed. And um, after the divorce, we were supposed to... Um, to live like apart, but after six months, he was back in the house. We lived together and the divorce started because of violence. So we were married, but the marriage was a very violent relationship. 
like abuse, uh, verbal abuse, physical, emotional, you name it, financial, everything. Uh, then we got divorced. So I filed for divorce after 18 years. Then it took us two years. Um, after those two years, he left because I was supposed to stay in the house. The children were still young. We had five children. And because of uh, that past of abuse that was known by the court, uh, I had the full custody. We were supposed to visit only. And then we were supposed to divide the property. And trust me, Sam, to this date, we never divided the property. And six months after, he was back in our lives. Wow. And then threw us out of the house. And then uh, that, that was the final separation. And so uh, that's it. <laughs> it. It was a struggle, really. Uh, I guess to this day, there's, it's still a struggle because I guess he never went over it. And uh, yes, so it's a strange divorce, but I'm fine. I'm so glad to hear that. That sounds like another world of difficult divorce than the one I'm, you know, going through now. So I know you've written about the abuse already in your book. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us, because it's is it a book of poetry? Yes, it is poetry, but everything in it is, uh, it is true. It happened just the way the way it is uh, written there. And how did it feel to be able to write about your own experience and something so difficult? Did it stir up a lot of feelings or did it feel empowering when you were writing? It was, it was a, a cocktail of, uh, of emotions and um, you write as well. So I guess writing is freedom, right? You, you, you feel free to write. And you feel free to go to those places, you know, all by yourself and and cry if you have to and laugh at it if you have to. So it was a therapy. And sometimes when I was writing the bigger book, which is called Faith 1999, it is at some places I couldn't move forward. I just couldn't write it. Because every time I start, I can't go through. But then I will go through it and cry, cry myself to the end until every emotion is empty. My body and my, my mind is empty. Then I will write it. So then I will just feel like, okay, it is over. It is gone. This part is gone. So then uh, I will feel very light and very empowered. So crying Crying, do you think, is a healthy, good thing that we should be doing? Yes, we should. We should because writing also, it, it, it helped me to... I started the mourning process before uh, because it was kind of an intense relationship. So likely in 1996, after 16 years, I started meditation, right? So I started releasing a few things, but... Um, and I found that, okay, I have to allow myself to go through whatever is coming at me fully so I can release it. But then, so it was like a process of mourning before it happens for me to accept that, okay, you need to let this go. You need to live with your kids and uh, abandon this idea that, well, you were married for life and, you know, so you have to accept that loss. And if you don't, then uh, then you will have to um, kind of living with regret. 
you know it's a, so yes it's a, I, I think crying is a good thing when you're writing you're just alone so you can cry like no one is watching <laughs> like cry the hardest you can <laughs> that's amazing I think sometimes when I'm writing about my real life yes. I because I'm a comedian I yes. distract myself with comedy and actually I think I need to push myself and cry and get it out and then I'd be able to write better probably because of it so I think it's very brave to allow yourself to cry it all out as you're writing I think that's a hard thing to do yeah but I think also comedy I would like to do that um yeah both of them are valid (laughs) yeah so I want to take you back so it was an 18 year marriage and when when do you think was your realization point? Was there like an event where you were suddenly like, I need to get out of this marriage? To tell you the truth, Sam, it's just a strange. I think since the beginning, I, I, just, I just had that feeling that this was bad. But I think um, the coercion started then at the beginning as well, right? You know, someone manipulating your... You're feeling like, oh, you're going to abandon me. It's because I'm not good enough for you. It's because you this and this. And uh, you want me to die because I'm going to kill myself. All these things. But since the beginning, and I told him, I remember telling him, I'm not the right person for you. I was 18, uh, just coming to university. He was 19, and we were going to the same. We lived in the same house. Um... And so at the evening when we came back and uh, I felt him behind me and he said, I will marry you no matter what, you will become my wife. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? You know, when inside you feel like this is not good. <laughs> the voice inside is telling you, this is not good. And like, okay, this is not good. And I said, I just turned like, no, why? You know, I made a joke about it. So I, normally I would just come back at the person like, okay, you crazy, leave me alone. But at the beginning of the relationship, I realized in the retrospective, when I look at it, it's like I, uh, I was acting differently with him than I have acted with other people. And like four days later, he was like, oh, we need to get married. You know, I was 18 and this was in Congo. And like, <laughs> we need to get married? What that means? You are even not my boyfriend yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so he was fascinating that way. Like, okay, this strange person, right? But inside I just felt it was bad. And then he keep on pushing me. Oh, well, uh, you need, we need to get married. We can just go after school to the uh, town and get married just two of us. You know, this type of thing. So, yeah, it, it, it was, I knew it was bad. So I refused then, but uh, finally I went through with it. So that's so interesting that you knew it was bad from the first time you met him almost. Mm-hmm. So why do you think you didn't listen to that internal voice at that time? Trust me, strange enough, I fell in love with him. So I lived in this dual situation of love, but in the back of my mind, I, I just knew this person was dangerous even before he started beating me. It just the way he 
processed his thoughts. I, I like, okay, this is this is not right. Uh, but um, and then my my uh, sister, I was living at my sister and him at his brother in this big house with a common area. So it was a it was like a small building with a common area. So we lived there, and my sister and all. Everyone there was like, Annie, don't go with this guy. He's a bad kid. He's a bad kid. But at the end, I fell in love with him. And that's where uh, he started hitting me. As soon as I said, well, yes, now I'm your girlfriend. He was like, okay, you cannot look at someone else. So uh, he had this uh, obsessive mind that is like, oh, who's sitting b- beside you? I'm like, okay. It is like 300 of us here. How do I know these people? I just arrived. I can't say, well, don't sit around me because I have a boyfriend who doesn't want people to sit around me. <laughs> you know? No, of course. So he was displaying quite controlling behavior. Well, not quite mm-hmm. controlling behavior yes. from quite soon on. And But how did it feel for you? It must have been so strange to be in love with this person, but know deep mm-hmm. down they're bad for you and also have your family and friends saying to you they're bad for you. Do you remember that your feelings at that time? Was it was it difficult for you to hear that for, from other people? At first, I, I thought, oh, well, he will change. And he keep on, and I keep on telling him that I don't like this. I don't like this relationship because you are this and this and that. And uh, he will say, well, I will change. Trust me. I'm not a bad guy. I will change. But he got worse and uh, he became really very controlling. I I think I, I gave him this impression. The first time he hit me, I gave the, him this impression that I will cover this, right? So I always feel that uh, at that point I gave him, I became accomplice to my own violence. So I just want to say listening to that, that it sounds like you're blaming yourself in some way. And it's if someone hits you, I believe it's completely their fault and it's nothing, you've done nothing wrong. Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah, that, that's clear. But I, I'm just saying, um, when we go through this relationship and uh, and uh, we cover these actions, um, what we don't know is peop- the other side is registering this as, okay, she's in this with me. I see. So from his perspective, he's thinking, it's fine, I can keep doing it. Exactly. Because the next time when you tell people, like, why are you telling people now? I told you to never say this and you promised me you will never talk about it. Like, really? No, I was stupid to do that to start with. (laughs) Now I'm just uh, telling everyone who you are. So when did it, how bad did it get physically and emotionally before you told someone that he'd abused you? What what happened is um, he did it now in a way that... um, People just saw it, like my sisters, people we lived with saw it, like, okay, why can't you talk to uh, people anymore, right? And then uh, we went to live together, we had children, so he started isolating me, you know, and then um, I couldn't lie anymore, and because um, my mother was living in another, another part of the country, uh, they started writing to me that we heard this, 
like this man is abusing you and blah, blah, blah. And because they thought they, they opposed it before, I continued to cover to my family, like, no. Because I didn't want them to say, well, we told you so. We told you don't ever go with this guy. But then um, it got to a place where um, really the beating became serious. So one day I packed my stuff. I had two kids at that time. I packed my uh, stuff and went and put it in a hotel because the flight were just leaving every morning from uh, Kinshasa to the province uh, where my parents were. I packed my stuff and then uh, I, I arrived at the counter. So well, I need a ticket for me and two children. Like, where is your um, your um, authorization? Like which authorization? And they said, well, but you are married. You said you are married. So you need an authorization for you to travel. And like, no, I don't need it. And they said, well, that's the law. I'm like, wow, the law? They refused to sell me the ticket. So here I am going back to this place. That's when I realized, well, I am, I will never leave this place. So it was law. Yes, it was the law then. But now with advocacy, and I was a part of that advocacy, the law has changed. But before, it was really an, an abusive set of law against women. So that was the situation. And that's how it, it took so long for me to live. And going through this, I keep on saying, I'm going to leave. And uh, he will just smile and say, well, how are you going to leave? You're crazy. How, how are you going to leave? So he knew all of this, but I didn't. I didn't know that the law was protecting him in all this abusive uh, situation uh, we were living in. Wow. So so how was it for you? You know, you'd, you'd gone to the airport, you tried to get away and you can't. And you've got two small children. So you're a mother now as well. And you can't escape your husband. What was going through your mind at that time? How did you keep going? Um, at that time, I was like, okay, I will make a plan. And I remember... After this event of the airport, I told him, like, okay, I am giving you 10 years for you to change. If you don't, I will leave you. And he just looked at me. But you know what happened, Sam? The day I filed for the divorce, and uh, I, it was my uh, 36th birthday, I came back home. And I was not allowed to go out, of course, but I just braved him. Like, God, today I'm going to file for the divorce. It was my birthday. So the first thing I did, I went for a manicure, a facial. Then I went straight to the court and filed for divorce and came back. And he hit me and uh, he did whatever he wanted. But I'm like, okay, it's good. It's worth it. I filed for the divorce today. But at night when I was sleeping, I'm like, oh my God, it's exactly 10 years since the day I told him, if you don't change in 10 years, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> I mean, my hair is standing on end on my arms. I can't, because people listening to this can't see you and see how like happy and smiley you are and how good you seem now. And then talking about these terrible things that happened to you that I can't even imagine. I'm I just think you're so strong. Oh my gosh. Um, and the idea that someone was physically hurting you, but you could kind of remove yourself from that in your head and be like, it's my birthday and I've done all these nice things for myself and it and it's worth it is just, I can't believe you. I'm so sorry you went through that, but you seem 
great now, which I'm really pleased about. Yes, I must say that uh, we moved to South Africa and South Africa had a different set of laws. And uh, so that's allowed me to go and file for divorce. So, so you were in South Africa, you applied for divorce. He reacted by beating you, as you said. And then what was that divorce process like then? Um, yes. Yeah, so, so when we arrived in South Africa, um, the abuse became like to the maximum. For me, when I, when we arrived in South Africa, it became uh, terrible because in Congo, at least, he he when he knew that my parents knew, he reduced the violence because he was afraid that of oh, the family will intervene, they can come and take the daughter and blah blah blah. But then when we arrived in South Africa, I was very vulnerable. I was alone with the children and him, and that was it. And um, so the abuse just uh, went. Uh, to the roof, and uh, and uh, I had to call the police. The first time I called the police, I remember clearly. They call it, the police came, knocked at the door, and he opened, and they said, uh, "We are looking for Mr. So and So," and uh, he just said, "He's not here," and that was him. <laughs> Did they go away? Yes, they they went away. So I was in the back, and then I was like, "Okay, lesson learned." The next time I call them. I need to be there at the door. I need to be there and I need to be screaming loud. Yes, it is him. And I did the, the, the next day. So, um, but it was quite difficult because when he will hit me, when he found that I was calling the police, now he will remove the phone. At that point, it was just the phone. He will remove the phones and the doors were still the doors that you use the key. If he will take the phones, lock us in the, in, in the inside and take it into his car and then he will just go. And uh, we, he will not plug the phone for a month until I, I feel better and uh, forget about it. But still, it, so I still, I keep on calling the police. Then the, the court had a record of us. So when I asked for, uh, the, they even put him in jail for one point, but he will bail himself and, and uh, things of that nature. And um, yeah, that was it. But um uh, with that record being there, when I applied for the divorce, it was easy. It was easy on my side, but he made it difficult because the very same day I apply, I didn't tell him I'm coming from the court. I was just uh, celebrating myself, uh, you know, without telling anyone. But then uh, they brought the paper one day. They served him with those papers. So he was like, wow, he went through a rage. You did this. And uh, well, he became violent, uh, which I didn't care really. Uh, so he went and uh, remember, because we were in this violent relationship, uh, he controlled the finance. I was work. we had a company. I was working as the director, but I really never had a salary because he would say, well, but give yourself a salary. Well, it does not work like that. You we discuss my salary and then you give me that money every month. So it never happened. So, well, if you don't want to take it, fine. And we had a common account. By the day he was served, in a week, he was like, okay, you have to go and and um, and uh, uh, stop this process. And like, no, this is it. I, I told you I will divorce you and this is it. But then... Um, 
He said, well, if uh, you're not uh, doing that, um, I'm traveling because we had uh, two offices in, in uh, South Africa and in Congo. Um, so he said, I'm going to Kinshasa. I was like, fine. But what he used to do when he leaves, he we will uh, buy, we will fill the freezer, the fridge, the, uh, the pantry, because in his mind, we are not supposed to go out if he's not there. Just drop the kid at school and come back, right? If I go out, even if um, like I have an emergency, something happened, I will go to the pharmacy, he will hit me like uh, terribly, right? So before he leave, he will, uh, we will go and buy all this stuff and fill the freezers and stuff. And then he, he will say, okay, you don't have the right to go out. Everything is here. Like, okay, what about milk and fruits? We have to buy like every, at least every three days. At that point, I have five children. And like, okay, and then he said, but you don't need things when I'm not here. You don't need bread. You don't need fruits when I'm not here. You don't have a life when I'm not here. <laughs> you don't need food when he's not there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He said, you, you don't need a life. And I said, well, it, the kids cannot go to the movie. He said, no, you don't need to be happy when I'm not here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It, 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 was, well, it was annoying, but at the same time, it was like, okay, is this even real? But in any way, so after the divorce, uh, he said he's leaving. Strange enough, we did not do the, the, you know, the buying of food at that time. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter. I don't want to talk to him. I will go by myself tomorrow. So he left. And the next day, um, I went to the bank to take money to do groceries. And then uh, the cashier was like, oh, but um, you have no money. And like, what do you mean I have no money? And uh, she said, well, the account is empty. And like, what do you mean the account is empty? And I, and I, can I see the manager? So the manager came and like, okay, what, what, what's going on with this account? And uh, he was like, well, um, your husband came yesterday and uh, he transferred the money to a new account. And uh, unfortunately, you don't have access to that account. Like, what? <laughs> so um, I find myself with five kids. We had no money and we had no food. And I called some friends. And so they came and, and brought food for us and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I called him, like, what happened? Why did you do that? And uh, he said, well, you wanted your divorce. I told you to stop the process. Now, you're paying the price. This is what will happen to you if you continue with the process. And like, okay, fine, I will continue. Wow, so just constant threats and controlling behavior. Um, and you mentioned at one point that the physical abuse got really bad and he'd beat you. If you feel comfortable talking about it, what does really bad mean to you? Like broken bones? First, the first time it was one day, uh, it was before we moved to South Africa. We moved to South Africa because of um, uh, political unrest. That was in 1991. So uh, just... A few months before that, um, I don't know, I think I uh, talked back to him. 
So these, these events happen not because something major happened. We could be just discussing or he will say something and then I respond like, he, he, he punched me in the eye and blood started coming from my nose everywhere. And then he took me here, brought me in the bathroom in front of the mirror. And he was like, can you see this? I was frightened. It was the first time I saw my own, my, my own blood. And then um, he said, well, this is nothing. This is nothing today. I will beat you until you, no one, we will never look at your, <laughs> he say your cute face, your cute face the same way anymore. So he ran in, the, in, the, in our bedroom. So I took that moment to run, escape and run out. So that was the, the, that's when I saw like this was another level of abuse. But I, I always go back to myself. It made me stronger in saying, well, you need to be strong. You are in this alone, you and your kids, because he was abusing them too. And that was the other reason for me, like, okay, no, I cannot see this. I, I, can, I can deal with you hitting me, but you hitting my kids, that's not okay. I, I wasn't dealing with that. So, but we were very, so, and in that abuse made us very close again. So if something is happening, we lived in this gated place. So if his car is coming, we can see it on TV. So if the kids say, like, mom, he's coming, he's coming. And then uh, we will, um, he had assigned us places to sit, right? And um, we cannot watch TV unless he's there. So we will just stop the TV and we sit um, on our place. But at the end, I realized he, he just, he was jealous even for our my relationship with the children. And uh, he always wanted to, to isolate me from them, even when we see it and things that we do. From people outside, they will not see it, but for me, things became clear. Like after a few years, I understood who he was and how he operates. So it was like, okay, you do your things, but uh, I'm gonna get you one day. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. And um, my parents were so mad at me. They're like, Annie, you have to leave, you have to leave. I'm like, no, I can't live without my kids. I cannot leave them here because I know they're abused too, you know. And, and then my mom was like, but you can leave and then you will go back to take them. And I'm like, no, that's never happened. Whoever left and come back to take the kids in this country? Because at the beginning, they think that the, those children belong to the men. Wow. I'm so glad you finally got out. Yes. Let's move on to the happy period of your life. You, you did, you got, you filed for divorce. You eventually got divorced. You had to take him to court and get custody of the children. And how did it feel? I know he came back and then chucked you out of the house afterwards, but how did it feel when you got that piece of paper that said you are divorced officially? Oh, we were all so happy because it, it was like a miracle because he, he had this bunch of big lawyers, right? Like the best in the town. And I was there with a, 
a newly graduated student, a lawyer from um, from legal aid, because the, the people at the court were really good, so they gave me that uh, that uh, uh, that person to whom I will always be so grateful. So it was just two little of us there, and them a bunch of lawyers. <laughs> so we went to the court and we got it. And um, so what happened before? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That even, that week he hit me and he was again in jail. For that time, the, the judge said, no bail this time, you would stay here. So the day we were supposed to go for the final, uh, uh, the final day of the divorce, and uh, he called me because trust me, even in jail, I was a prisoner because he will call me twenty four seven. You're not supposed to be with uh, with a a phone in jail, but he had one. So then he's like, oh, please don't go tomorrow. We, you know, we can start over. I'm coming out and blah blah blah. No, I'm going tomorrow. You, you better send your lawyers and you better come because uh, they were expecting him there. He never showed up. So they gave us the divorce, me and my lawyer. We went to Santon Square. Do you know South Africa? I've only been once to Cape Town. Okay. Ah, okay. So Santon Square is one of the best places in the world. We drank champagne. We ate a slice of chocolate cake. <laughs> And then we hugged and went home. Amazing. <laughs> then I went to pick the kid at school and like, it's done, it's over. And then we celebrate. Yeah, it was very, very good. Yeah. And then I went under the shower. I used to have this thing in that period, like I will scrub myself as if I just wanted my skin to go away. I just wanted to be new. Like I didn't want to be myself again. So, yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so did he... Did, was he arrested for, like, was it proven in court that he was abusing you? Yes, yes, because the police will come every time. He, he went there many times and he was released. Only that time the judge was like, no, no bail today. Uh, so, but uh, yes, the proof are there because I have all the documents. Yeah. Even for us to move uh, from uh, South Africa to here, you know, uh, after the abuse continued, after the divorce, uh, I needed to give the proof that, uh, well, these are medical proofs that uh, he was abusing me. I still have them to this day because he still claimed that he never touched me. Wow. <laughs> yes. So you're living in Canada now and are yes, you I in am. a different country from him? Do you ever see him? When was the last time you saw him? The last time, trust me, Sam, it was the day we were supposed to leave. Because the day we were supposed to leave, the day before. So what happened for us to leave? So when he broke my hand and threw us out of the house. This is after you're divorced. After the yeah. divorce, when he came to live with us again, because he went, manipulated the court. The court said, well, if you didn't divide the property, then you have the same right to stay in the same place. You know, so anyway, so um, after this, uh, then um, his brother uh, took me to his fiance because we had we, we had nowhere to go. I had no money. Remember, we never divided the property. The account was still in his name. He never gave me back access to the account. So his brother gave me uh, brought us to his fiance. It was back to school in a week. He refused to, to send to pay for the school fees of the children. They stayed at home for four months. He said, if you're not coming back as my wife, 
you will never, the children will never go to school. So I went to the court and reported it. And I went everywhere, but it just never changed. Um, the, uh, so at the end, I gave him back the kids. After four months, I was like, okay, this is now, it will look like as if uh, I'm selfish. Then take the children, put them back to school. I told the children, you go back because you need school, but I will come and pick you as soon as I find a job. So that's, um, but um, beside that, he continued. Now he went to another level of looking for doctors that he can bribe. So those doctors will say that I am um, mentally sick and they will lock me in an institution for the rest of my life. So he can be free with the children. So I will never claim the children again. So he started that. And then uh, he, he was coming at the place with uh, the police in his car at uh, my, um, his brother's fiance where we were living. And uh, they will just do a mess. They will go in the house and uh, truly like go in each room looking for papers, like the medical papers, mine and all other papers while she's not there and I'm not there. Uh, so at the end, um, she even got sick. Then I'm like, okay, this is not right. I'll just go and uh, ask sick for uh, uh, asylum in a shelter, in a women's shelter. So I went to that women's shelter. Then he was, the children now were telling me like what was going on or he's doing this with the court for you, doing this with the court. So I, I, I was aware that things were bad, um, but because he was now dealing with the police, that proved that the state was not protecting me. And that's how Canada was able to send us here. Wow. So you and your children now live in Canada. Yes. Away from him. Yes. Remember, I said I will never live without my children. So we went and took the children, went to the airport. So how does it feel now that you're in Canada, you're separated by countries and you're hopefully free of him forever. Oh boy. Like being in that flight and knowing that he, he will never come again. It was like, uh, you know, God putting the Red Sea between us. <laughs> he cannot come because there is a law that is accepted by Canada and the US. These two countries accepting a woman here due to violence, the person, the abuser will never enter Canada or the US. So he can never, he'll be stopped at the border if he tried. Wow. So how long have you been in Canada now with your children? Exactly 20 years. Amazing. <laughs> yes. I, and I am a grandmother now. <laughs> oh, wow. Congratulations. And have you, you, how are your feelings about marriage now? Have any of your children married or have you found love again? Um, I, I really have forgotten about the love story. <laughs> because I think I was so busy when I came, remember, like, when I came, uh, I was 40. In real life, I was 18. I went back to my 18 years, my first year of university, because he stopped me going to school. So I had to go back to school. I had only my high school diploma. So I was 18, starting my life again. So I had to find a job. 
I was doing a full-time job. I was going full-time to university. At that time, I was not speaking really English. So I was like, okay, Annie, if you're going to work here in Toronto, you have to learn English, then you have to go to a, an English university. So I was doing um, double measure. I was doing all this stuff and taking care of five children. I know, girl, you need to stop. Forget about men. <laughs> forget about men just do this all these things you have to do uh, go back on your feet finish your degree you know um, become what you have dreamed to be and, and uh, advocate for women because it's true my um, all these things that happened to me that I learned about violence against women that I learned about the judiciary system how it's always protect men that I really start to see life through gender lenses and that's a, that's where my job and my study started so now you work as a gender and equality specialist mm-hmm. and uh, an advocate for women yeah. and that's yes. how does that feel now you've sort of come full circle and you're helping other women who are in similar situations that you are in well it it, it really feels good it, it feels good i i just believe that i was I went through this because I was chosen as an instrument to bring something, to see it, feel it, experience it, and make a difference, try to make a difference. The difference is very small, but it's by our small actions, our small contributions that we're going to make a big impact, right? So uh, it's really um, rewarding my uh, my. Uh, my studies and the work that I do make me believe that my pain was not in vain. It, it was for something. It was for a, a purpose. So, um, well, I I really think it's good because when when people start talking about women this and women that, I will speak strongly and with authority about it because I went through it, I know it, I know that it is true. And I know that you will oppose it, but at the end, we will keep on pushing and make steps towards gender equality and end violence against women and girls. Because you cannot say, you you can say, okay, it does not exist, or this woman is lying, well, this woman, you know, with the Me Too movement, the first reaction of people, no, so-and-so, he cannot do this. He's so respectable. No, it is true. We have to believe women. So, yes, I um, I, I feel great about what, um, I don't feel great about the experience, but I feel great that I understand these things and that I can uh, stand um, against them and speak uh, with authority based on my experience, my lived experience and my work experience. Well, you're so inspiring. I'm so honoured that you would speak to me for the podcast. Um, and just to just to finish things off, if if someone else, if someone was listening right now and they were going through what you were going through or it just started, you know, they've just been hit for the first time or they're experiencing that controlling behaviour, what advice would you give them? Don't don't follow um, the voice of the abuser telling you, well, don't talk about it. No, talk about it, expose it, and take actions against it. 
do not uh, do not say well uh, he will change and uh, this did not happen this is not him no this is him and if he proves to you that he he can change that's fine but at the beginning be very clear and uh, take actions okay so if if anyone listening wants to help support any of the projects you work on is there like a website or a charity you can direct them to if someone wants to donate? Well, some who want to donate, uh, now my focus is, is uh, working in the Congo and uh, it's uh, uh, the Institute of Gender and the Development. So ijdedekongo.org. Um, and uh, yes, uh, so, and, and there, trust me, like I, I said at the beginning, it's still... Um, because even the government itself has no resources for women to live, for instance. Even if now the law has changed a lot. Now girls can, uh, women can work, travel without uh, open a bank account, without the authorization of the men. But uh, it's still uh, at the beginning. Even me, women are not aware of uh, that change. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, brand new. Well, that sounds like amazing work and thank you for everything you're doing and thank you for speaking to me and um, I'm so sorry for what you've been through but I'm so glad that you're through it now and that you're doing amazing things with your experience. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, for everything that you are doing. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.